Podcast One. 18 months ago, Brenton Ward co-founded a business that serves a very specific niche. It cost him $3,000 to set up, and today it's generating $100,000 in recurring monthly income with very few overheads, and here's the kicker, it can run without him. Could this be close to the perfect business model? It's a mind-expanding episode 533 of the 11-year-old, award-winning, small business, big marketing podcast. Yeah, I say, welcome to a small business marketing show, where successful small business owners share their souls. To take your marketing straight to the lead, now here's your host, Mr. Timbo Welcome back to your weekly dose of I Wish I'd Known That When I Started Out Marketing. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner and you are overdue, I say, to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And that's exactly why this podcast exists. But if that's not enough, then grab a copy of my popular marketing book, The Boomerang Effect, which will show you how to create helpful marketing that'll return you more customers and make you more money. Ka-ching! Grab your copy over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Big episode today. When isn't it a big episode? But today is a big episode. Wise Mentoring's Brenton Ward shows us how and why to identify and service a niche an inch wide and a mile deep. And you know how much I love a good niche. This week's Monster Prize Draw winner ignored me, completely ignored me when I was in their shop. Plus, I let you in on next week's guests who both escaped cubicles inside Google to start something much more interesting. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Hey, thank you to everyone who has subscribed. I made that call out a couple of weeks ago asking for the favour of subscribing to this podcast. If you haven't, please go ahead and do so um, for two reasons. You'll be the first to know when a new episode drops, which makes you the very, very coolest kid on the block, and it really helps with my ratings. I will say no more about that, but I'd love it if you just hit the subscribe button on the podcast app, which you are using right this minute. And once you do that, give us a buzz on 0480-015-150, or you can do that anytime, day or night, because it's the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline. And I'd love you to leave me a message, share a marketing idea that's working for you, give me some constructive feedback about my fashion sense. I I don't care. Whatever it is, I just love to hear from you, my very, very precious listener. You know how sometimes you meet someone who you feel could help take your thinking to the next level? Has that happened to you recently? Well, it has to me. Today's guest is that person. We've had a couple of hugely insightful discussions since I recorded this interview, and I'm excited to say there's some good things in the pipeline. So who is this guy? Well, It's a great question. His name's Brenton Ward. He started his first business when he was 23, which was a wealth management firm in Brisbane, Australia. 10 years later, he's gone on to start and grow three companies from startup to seven figures. So he kind of knows what's going on, right? Recently, he co-founded Wise Mentoring, that's Wise with a Z, which is an online community showing accountants and bookkeepers how to build a business that runs without him. But I must say, and he talks about this in the interview, um, the learnings inside that community kind of quite general and apply to all types of businesses. He's also an expert at helping people like you bottle your knowledge to share with a global audience. We cover plenty of ground in this chat, including niching, goal setting, systems, lead generation, and plenty more. Now, you are going to love what Brenton has to share, I know, because I certainly really enjoy talking to him. I could have kept going for hours. I'd encourage you to give his mentoring program a crack if you do love what he's up to. Head over to wise with a Z mentoring.com forward slash Timbo. It's 250 bucks a month, but here's the but. He's given all small business, big marketing listeners a 30-day free trial, which you will not find anywhere else on the intranets or internets or anything in between. So uh, wisementoring.com forward slash Timbo is where you'll find that. I started off by asking Brenton to share the feelings he has for people who start and run their own business. 
Wow. A, a lot of admiration, I guess I'd have to start with because as you know, like before you get a, even get into the fun stuff, there's a lot of odds stacked against you. I mean, the survival rates, which we don't need to quote because everyone hears them enough, um, is one thing, but then the success rate and the fulfillment rate, you know, of building the business that you set out to build in the first place is something, you know, completely different. So I have a lot of respect for someone who decides to take the plunge and build, uh, will start, start that journey. But then sticking with it is just a whole, whole other thing and going through the trials and tribulations of doing that. So seeing someone bring an idea to life and then create something that adds value back to communities and back to society, I think, you know, is, is something really special. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, admiration is high on my list. I actually went back through my family tree. While I was trying to understand why I have such admiration for people who start businesses. And I went through back through my family tree. There were no employers. They were all employees. And I'm like, so I sort of look at that through those, that lens and go, oh, you guys are amazing. And now I've been a business owner, you know, for 10, 12, 15 years. I don't know how long it's been, but it is. It's great. It's fun. And, you know, I guess the reason I ask you that, it's nice to hear from someone else who has that same admiration. But I also want to remind my listeners who are all business owners who may sometimes lose sight of the fact of what they're doing, that they are building something special and it should be fun. And, and, and yes, it's challenging, but it should be rewarding financially, spiritually, emotionally, all those things. So, uh, I think this is going to be a very interesting discussion. Absolutely. I mean, a perfect example of that. I share an office with two other guys and they both run their own business, uh, both early in the venture. And last week, one of them was having a really rough week and uh, he couldn't see the forest for the tree. So we actually just stopped on a Friday last week, printed out a bunch of emails from the last two years since he started his business, put them on the wall, and then made him stand in front of the wall and read how far he's come in two years. And he just actually stood back and he said, yeah, wow, actually I have done a lot and I've got a lot to be proud for. So we don't take, take enough time to stop and reflect on how far we've come. What a great exercise. We should all do that. Did he just print all his emails or a select bunch of emails that proved what he'd achieved? I've been with him since the start in terms of talking to him back and forward. So I just went through my inbox of all the bits and pieces that we've spoken about over the last two years since he started and then uh, chose a few special pieces. <laughs> nice. I like that. Now let's talk about your background because you've got some awesome uh, strategies to share around growth and various other aspects of business, Brenton. But what was your business, big business claim to fame prior to starting Wise Mentoring? I started my first business when I was 23, which I thought was young until I started looking through your episodes and uh, <laughs> and thought, geez, like these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I've got, I've got 15 year olds, I've got 16 year olds, you know, it's awesome. I realised I was late to the game at 23 after listening to some <laughs> of your guys. So um, no, I started at 23, I was a financial planner by trade and decided to flee the nest of employment and start my own financial planning business called Hindsight Wealth, which is based in Brisbane. And uh, between myself and two colleagues and good mates, we, we built that business to the point now where it's, it's still alive and kicking. I'm not involved in it, but it's got around 2,500 clients and 10 advisors and about 15 staff. That's fantastic. Yeah, that was my baby. Uh, I miss it dearly. I still talk to the guys almost daily. But that was my sort of first foray into the world of growing a business. What do you put the success of Hindsight Wealth down to? When you look at the guys who were building that business, it was a really complementary skill set. So we, we came to the table, they were two incredibly good advisors and wanted to be good advisors. I didn't want to be an advisor, I wanted to, to run the business and build the business. So. They let me do that and I let them do what they were great at. And I think, you know, having that systems focus from day one, building that business really helped us because it then allowed us to bring on more advisors who wanted that turnkey system to, to help serve their clients. And that, that served us really well. Did you know that at 23, Brenton, about the, the power of systems, which we are going to talk about, and the fact that having business partners with complementary skill sets is actually a good <laughs> thing? Is this something that you knew or is, this, is hindsight a wonderful thing? 
Well, I, I was fortunate enough to have spent the, the previous three years with a business coach. So after spending a couple of years in financial planning, hit the GFC, the global financial crisis in 2008, and decided I was way too young to go through that all over again. So did the travel thing and then uh, landed on the doorstep of uh, a guy called Rob Nixon in Brisbane who coached accounting firms. I didn't, uh, I didn't know what he did, but I liked the look of what he did. So I said, give me a job. And he knocked me back four times to the point where I said, I'll work for free, I'll make you coffee. <laughs> and uh, he actually gave me a job and paid me, which was nice. But um, spent three years learning how to build a good business. And then thought it was pretty much time for me to do the same thing. So flew the nest and started my own. So, so just explain, um, you have Hindsight Wealth, a financial planning business humming along in Brisbane. You have nothing to do with it anymore. You now live in Dublin. Uh, you run a business called Wise Mentoring, which we're going to talk about shortly. Why are you in Dublin? Uh, and, and, and how did you step back from Hindsight Wealth and allow it to continue to succeed? So it's, uh, there's a million and one events between those, those two things, but uh, <laughs> I, I met a lovely Irish girl when I was traveling. Uh-huh. As all good Australian guys living in Ireland uh, start, start their story. <laughs> so we, uh, we met in Argentina of all places and then she moved out to Australia for five years. Uh, she was an engineer and luckily got swept up in the, the resources boom 2010. But then always in the back of my head, I knew like all good Irish girls do, they, they like to go home back to the family. So I knew that was coming at some stage, but that uh, conversation landed on my doorstep in 2015. Then we had to decide, do we, do we break up a really good relationship or do I figure out how to move to the other side of the world and still run a business? Because Hindsight was only a baby at the time. We'd just really started to take off. We were really starting to get some runs on the board and traction, and then this came about. After initially deciding to break the relationship off, it was just too hard. So I uh, decided to make the, make the plunge and figure out how to make it work. So I spent eight months. I had a second business at the time, uh, which I'd started, which was a consulting business to accounting firms. So I had two businesses, Hindsight and this other coaching business, and just had to figure out how to transition my day-to-day from Brisbane to to Dublin. So I moved to to Dublin in August 2016, and then I was commuting back to Australia every six weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, So it was a a decent bus ride to work every six weeks. (laughs) (laughs) But it worked. Uh, It wasn't sustainable, but it worked. Uh, And I was lucky that we'd built the systems in these businesses so it didn't rely on me being on the ground every day. And we had the tech in place that allowed me to do it from the other side of the world. Amazing, hey, what we can do these days. It's incredible. I mean, 20 years ago, that would have been a whole lot harder. Besides systems, um, which again, we are going to talk about in our chat, was there anything else, a a particular piece of technology or or, or a, a principle or something that you had in place that allowed you to say goodbye to a successful business and move to the other side of the world? I think it still comes back down to the systems and the people. So we, we, we had a lot of leverage in that business because we'd built a really efficient system. So we called it our, our back office factory where we'd put something in at the, fr- the front and it'd spit out a nice parcel at the end, which meant that we could bring on advisors who were one-man bands that didn't want to do all the compliance work that was required of financial planners and wanted to be part of a community and part of a brand that was you know, giving out marketing content and things like that. So we basically boxed up Hindsight Wealth and then gave it to, to other advisors to use, built a nice office that they could sit at every day. And, and that just really worked for us. It, didn't, it meant that I could basically step away and it still ran as it should. So then a couple of years ago, you start Wise Mentoring. You say you, you, say you had a coaching a business advising accountants and bookkeepers, which I guess that was you doing that. And then Wise Mentoring came along a couple of years ago. What, what is Wise Mentoring and how did it come to be? Wise started when uh, I was basically back to a blank canvas in Ireland because I'd removed myself from Hindsight Wealth. 
I'd cut off my income stream from this second business, uh, which I just decided long-term wasn't gonna be the right fit. So we decided to, to part ways with two, two business partners in that, that business. Can I ask what, ha- what, what happened there? Was it just a get, not, a, not a meeting of the minds or? No, I, I got very lucky with the business partners and the, the synergy that we had in Hindsight Wealth. Not so lucky in the second, second round. Uh, a clash, of, probably put it down to a clash of personalities. I don't think the long distance relationship worked that well with with those partners and to be honest with you tim digging deeper on a personal side of things i had a really rough transition to to ireland in the start of things with a a pretty tragic death in our family like literally four days before i got on the plane to move to ireland so that knocked me around for probably a good six months moving moving to the other side of the world and that probably didn't help the relationship either so it was best to to cut ties which left me back at square one uh, with a clean slate, but a, a really sort of excited spirit because I got to figure out what I wanted to do, you know, taking all the experience that I had and figuring out what was next, which turned into wise. Okay, that's that, that, that's really important. It is actually um, a very personal to me because I find myself in that position right now and um, okay. uh, no one else is listening, so I can share my personal story with you. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Hopefully there are others listening. But that's really interesting and I'm sure it'll be re- relevant to other business owners who find themselves with a black slate. But given COVID, my year has been a bit of a disaster because I speak at conferences, I MC conferences, yeah. conferences, bit gone. See ya. See ya, large amount of income. Overnight. Um, the podcast at... Overnight, uh, the podcast advertising market hit badly uh, as well. So, two sources of income have left me looking at what, what did you call it—a blank slate or, yeah. or a yeah, blank canvas? Yeah. It's like, what, what do you do next? What was your process? It sounds like you've actually you haven't you've you've started a new business as a result of finding yourself with a blank canvas, but it's a business that was very very similar to what you were already doing. Yes. But what was your process in that moment of staring at a blank canvas to decide what is next? Well, it, it might sound a little cliche, but I'd always struggled, Tim, with the, the whole story because, I mean, my hobby is looking at successful businesses and what makes them tick and, and entrepreneurship and, and really sort of looking at the stories of these people. And I, I, I got a little bit frustrated sometimes when it was like, I, I, wo- I woke up in a, a box on the side of the street and I realised that I had to change my life and I went from broke, living on my friend's couch, to now I'm rich and look at my Ferrari. And I was like, I didn't have that story. Does that mean I don't get to be successful? <laughs> and it kind of annoyed me. And But I realised, I actually realised after the, the death of my family, which was my grandmother, my mum's mum, I realised how much we need to put things in perspective uh, and I realised how much a, a trauma and something like that in your life can shift your thinking. So for me, the new venture had to wrap around my life. I, my life didn't, couldn't wrap around my business. Nice. And I was a young guy still, so every, every spare moment was basically focused on the business. And I took my eye off the ball, certainly with family and probably friends to some extent. So the new venture had to be uh, in line with my new values, which was family first, and basically accommodate for the lifestyle I wanted to live, which was be able to come back to Australia when I wanted, to be able to travel and live in different places if we wanted, uh, and to be in control, complete control of my time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't want to have to answer to anyone in terms of when and how I worked. And have you ticked all those boxes, Brenton, with Wise Mentoring? I must have, you know, found a genie in a bottle. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, seriously, I cannot fault, I cannot find something I dislike about this business. It started as an absolute passion project. I'd say we were about two years in now. And I still, I love every single day that I get up to wait, to work on this thing. I really do. I know, I know that sounds cheesy, but I, I love it so much. That's amazing, mate. It's just a great business. Yeah, really is. Do you feel the envy coming through both this microphone and a whole lot of listeners' ears <laughs> right now? I know, and it's, I mean, not a lot of us get to say this. Certainly a, a lot of our client base in WISE don't get to say it, but that's why we put ourselves in this position so we can, we can help them get to, to, to where we are. 
So you are, w- w- with Wise Mentoring, you are helping, uh, and I love it, a niche. We're going to again talk about niches shortly, but your niche is yes. accountants and bookkeepers, and you are showing them how to do what you have achieved uh, with, with Wise Mentoring. It's two years old. How does Wise Mentoring provide service? And give us a sense of size two years in, Brenton. Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll throw you back to two years ago where... A really good mate of mine, his name's Jamie Johns. He's the owner of his own accounting firm down in Ballarat, Victoria, called Sky Accountants. We've been mates for about 10 years. We met at the first coaching business that I'd, I'd worked at. And um, Jamie and I used to talk all the time. We love the topic of mentorship. Uh, we even threw around a few ideas of, you know, a mentor podcast or a, a bit of a video channel. And then when I was getting serious about my next step, I was soundboarding some ideas with Jamie and we said, well, why don't we bottle this experience that Jamie's had? Now, I'd say for the last 10 to 15 years, Jamie's probably spent the better better part of half a million dollars on coaching and consulting to get his business to where it was, which is a lot of money. And he implements like an absolute demon. So he he doesn't just tick the box that he's got coaching, he, he implements. But he still found himself wearing a lot of hats, working 67 days a week, not earning the money he wanted to earn. And what? He spent half a mil and he's <laughs> yeah. still, he still got those outstanding issues. Jamie, yeah. get on it, mate. Come on. <laughs> and this is, this is where the, the power of this business has come from. So Jamie actually found a guy called Ed Chan, who is the third partner. So Jamie, myself and Ed Chan started Wise Together. Now, Ed Chan is a very successful business owner and entrepreneur in his own right. He started uh, an accounting group in Sydney uh, called Chan and Ayla, which has grown from his kitchen table to 10 offices and, you know, six or 7,000 clients around Australia. Love it. 160 staff, 20 million turnover. So, you know, incredibly successful. But the biggest thing is he hasn't worked a day in that business in the last 20 years. So he's built a business that's run without him and provided a passive income. So he's walked the talk and then he's shown Jamie how to do that over the last five years to the extent where Jamie's now in a similar position, not financially, but in a position where his business runs without him. So Wise was born out of the idea of bottling that process that Ed took Jamie through. Got it. So so Jamie's a coaching junkie, spends half a mil. At some point during his coaching journey, he meets Ed. Ed changes Jamie's life for the better, for good. Jamie says to you, hey, Brenton, this, this bloke's good. My business has, you know, taken a whole new, got a whole new lease on life. We need to create something and offer this to other accountants and bookkeepers around the world. Absolutely. And it was like, it was the perfect timing because I was ready, Jamie was ready, and yeah. Ed said, well, I want to get all of this stuff out of my head, but he didn't have the tech piece, and I had the tech piece, and then Jamie had the implementation piece and the content creation piece. So again, complementary skills come into the table at the right time. How does WISE offer its services? So we, we started, Tim, with an online subscription mentoring platform. So a, a firm subscribes to our platform and gets a self-driven program to basically take themselves through that, that stepped um, business blueprint to grow. Pre-recorded and videos and papers pre-recorded and videos and blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. All, all built on a piece of software, which I'm um, happy to talk about as well. And then, you know, live webinars each month, Facebook community, and a few bells and whistles around that. But then that has evolved into firms wanting more hands-on coaching. So we've now built out a full, basically live coaching program where we deliver virtually and in person. And we've got a couple of other products that we're, we're building and putting together at the moment in extension of looking at the demands and the needs of, of these firms around recruitment, uh, around firm intranet solutions and things like that. So we started with a little subscription two years ago. The business now turns over. We, we launched about 18 months ago. So we spent about six to nine months just recording stuff, putting it together. Uh, launched in December 2018. And the business is now turning over just over a million dollars, about a hundred grand in recurring monthly income. And... Um, We've got big plans. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> That's a great story. Um, <laughs> tell me, because uh, it all sounds like just so bloody easy right now, Brenton, that we could all be doing it. What's been difficult in growing wise? Anything? Or has it just been a complete dream run? No. Well, it, 
it kind of has been a dream run in a sense, but I think again it was and don't per- be embarrassed by that by the way if it has been it has been and that's awesome i'll go into my next question no but it's funny because i was speaking to someone yesterday about you know listening to these stories of guys that go well i started the business and hey here we go we're turning over 11 million dollars and you go wait a second there's a few dots between those two points it couldn't have been all that good but for wise i mean we've had our hiccups along the way in terms of Uh, trying to figure out what the product is. Is it going to deliver outcomes? Is it going to deliver results? And then me being on this side of the world, so timing challenges. So it it started as a part-time thing. We all had full-time jobs running the businesses and I was over here working to put food on the table. And that was a little bit of a struggle, uh, I would say. Now, I, I didn't meet Ed Chan in person for the first 18 months of running our business. I'd only ever met him through Zoom. So we only met in October last year for the first time face to face, <laughs> which again is a testament to technology. That's amazing. What, what gave Ed, Ed, Ed's a seasoned player, no dummy based on what you've just told me in terms of what he's built. Clearly you had some runs on the board, but did you ever ask Ed what gave him the confidence to go into business with a bloke he'd never met who lived on the other side of the world? Yeah, I think a good part of that was his trust in Jamie and Jamie vouching for me. Uh, When we had conversations very early in the piece, I mean, I still remember some of the advice Ed gave me at the time because he said, well, what are you doing at the moment? I said, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this. And Ed said, geez, you're trying to chew off quite a bit there. Uh, and gave me, gave me one of his wise analogies, which was the, uh, the magnifying glass and the piece of paper. And he said, how do you burn a hole in a piece of paper with a magnifying glass? And I said, you hold it in the one spot. And he goes, exactly. What are you doing with your magnifying glass at the moment? I said, I don't know. He said, you're moving it all over the piece of paper. You're never going to burn a hole. And that stuck with me. So I've shelled myself of shiny things since that conversation. And he's seen that. Again, we have those complementary skills where without me, it doesn't work. Without Ed, it doesn't work. Without Jamie, it doesn't work. The whole thing needs us all to do our thing. Is Ed like the Mr. Miyagi of accounting and bookkeeping? Yeah, Ed's our Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) Yoda, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he 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 is. if, if, If he hasn't, he needs to write a book of quotes Oh, Tim, look, I, I actually try and record it whenever I can. It, it's interesting. He's, he's one of the most humble people I've ever met. Like, when you think about mentorship and you think about what a great mentor looks like, it's, it's Ed Chan. Like, his picture should just show up. He's just wow. an incredibly, incredibly grounded person, full of sage advice. Does he call you Brenton's son? <laughs> Not yet. I'm hoping so. One Not day. Yet. I love it. So, Brendan, awesome story about Wise. I now want to take the learnings that you've you've gathered from your time with Wise and with Hindsight Wealth and your time in business um, and everything Ed's taught you and, and Jamie. I want to talk growth. I want to talk niching. I want to talk systems. And I want to talk lead gen. We've got a bit to cover, buddy. Yeah, so perfect. Let's first of all talk growth because I know – You've identified three common barriers to growth uh, in, in leadership development, scalability, and marketing. What are business owners getting wrong in each of those areas, and what can they do about it? We've got about six hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, geez, I better put, plug the charger in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, if you look at, and we've stolen those three to a, to a degree from some of the greats who study the the DNA and the dynamics of of high-performing businesses. But if you look at those three, leadership, marketing, and then the dynamics of the the systems and the things like that uh, in the business, we just don't get taught this stuff. Like before, when you get your ticket to start your business, they don't ask you if you tick any of those three boxes. The only box that is normally ticked is the technician box. So we're really good at our craft, but the likelihood that we focused on any of those other areas is, is, is quite slim. So unless you're really invested in getting better at those things, business becomes a really big struggle because all you fall back on is your ability to deliver your craft. And that's, that's what we found certainly in our niche 
But it, I mean, that applies to any business, as I'm sure you, you'd attest to um, from talking with so many. That, that's normally the biggest issue. I had a Sparky come round to my house a couple of days ago. He was so good at his craft. Um, I wanted to talk about positioning of lighting that we're putting in, positioning of some speakers that we're putting in, and he was just like bringing to my attention things that I would never have even considered. So in terms of craft, so good. I then asked him about pricing and the whole energy of the room changed. And he, and he actually said to me, he said, oh, I hate pricing. <laughs> it was this pain, you know, and it's just, that's a, just a little example of like, he's learned his craft at trade school. Great Sparky. But in terms of marketing his business, in terms of offering a customer experience, in terms of pricing, in terms of quoting, in terms of follow-up, in terms of, you know, all that stuff. Absolutely. He's probably really ordinary at. Absolutely. And unless... You invest in resources or coaching or consultants or agencies to help you with that. The chances are that your habits have come from someone you learnt from. And, and, and that's the extent of it. Uh, and then you just get too busy. So you don't have the time to invest in those things. But they're the things that are going to get you to the next level or get you to the business that you actually desired in the first place. Just on the coaching thing, because clearly your solution to this, and it's obviously what Wise Mentoring offers, is mentoring and coaching. Well, first of all, what's the difference between mentoring and coaching? I feel like one's paid and one's free. It's a really good question, and we've, we've battled with this going, well, are we mentors? Are we coaches? In our view, there's probably a really specific definition to this, but in our view, a coach is there to keep you accountable. They give you a strategy and they tell you to go and implement that strategy and then they keep you accountable to it. A mentor is showing you what they've done. So a mentor has implemented the strategy, a mentor has walked the path that you've already wanted to, that you want to tread and they're, they're gonna show you the best way, the most efficient way to walk that path. Okay, so and I had this conversation Years ago, uh, with with a, a business coach out of Australia, there, there's two schools of thought around coaching slash mentoring. I'm going to just pull them just for the time being, for the sake of this argument, for the question. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I come across people who have coaches who have had great success with coaches. You're one of them. I have come. I come across people who have had coaches and are absolutely seething at the amount of money they've spent for no return. Mm-hmm. There are other people who think the whole coaching slash, I'm going to say coaching actually, because I think, yeah, is a, a waste of money and you don't need it and it's all, um, it's about the coach earning a living by creating a lifestyle business for them and the client's not important. You're all for having a coach and mentor. How do you find the right one? It's a, it's a great question and I think, even if you just look at, if we honed in and put a spotlight on Jamie's journey, having spent half a million on coaches. <laughs> I should ask Jamie that question. That's right. And, and to be honest, that's, that's just the beginning. The lessons and the cost of some of the advice that he was given from those coaches adds to the bill uh, of, of that half a million dollars. When you look at the coaching industry, the mentoring industry, it's pretty much to the greater extent unregulated. So anyone can enter this industry. But coaches should, if they don't already think about it, bear a massive responsibility because any word that comes out of, the, out of their mouth is normally being paid for and taken as gospel and implemented. So any advice they give is, is if the, the coachee is doing the right thing, they're going away and implementing that advice, which can be incredibly costly and take people down the garden path, uh, which I've seen on many, many an occasion. Ex- Jamie, case in point, one phone call, Tim, one phone call with a piece of advice cost him 250 grand in lost fees because the, the coach said, well, just go and do this. And uh, Jamie went and did that, and within six months had lost 250 grand of fee, client fees walking out the door because of that piece of advice given. So um, there's a lot of responsibility. Now, how do you find the right coach? We, we are very much of the belief that you should only be coached by someone who has built a business that you are aspiring to build. Um, that, that is our belief, because we also believe that a, a coach will typically only be able to coach someone on the business that they've been capable of building. So they will have a certain way of building their business, a certain way of delivering services, a certain methodology, and that's what they will coach. 
I think you have to take a really good look at the person that you're investing in to get the advice from and going, is there someone who has built something that I wish to, to create myself? Have they got the, the runs? Just, just on that, does that mean then that if you're an accountant, you need to find a coach who has built a successful accounting business or is it okay to find a coach who has built a, a successful service-based business? Well, there's, I think there's a couple of layers there, right? So if you peel back, if you peel back the accounting, the craft or the, the widget, within the business, there's still seven divisions in that business being leadership and management, marketing, sales, production and delivery, you know, accounts, operations, admin, finance. There's coaches for each one of those silos who are very good at helping with those silos. But when you, when you want someone to help you grow the business overall, so the actual strategy, the foundations for a scalable business, I think certainly having now worked with a number of different coaches in the accounting profession, think that it needs to come from someone who's built a business in, in this environment or in this industry. Certainly, like if you look at Ed and Jamie, they've built businesses that run without them. We now coach accounting firms to build a business that runs without them. We're just replicating what we've done. You're big on growth goals, Brenton. How, how do you get clear on growth goals? Give us an example, maybe. Oh, this is a hard one because, <laughs> because I'm, I'm an incredibly optimistic uh person to to the extent where I hurt myself sometimes by setting the bar just a little too high. Over the last couple of years, grounding myself in, in some form of realism, so I'm a, I'm a realistic optimist, I would say these days. Um, I don't try to project out too far uh, into the future at the moment. So even talking sort of five years down the track is, is quite a long way away in the, the environment that we live in. Yeah, it's so crazy. far away. So... We, we now set goals a little bit differently, Tim, in the, in the sense that, and I'm basically following our own advice here is, what do we want out of the business? You know, what's the lifestyle we want to live and how much is that lifestyle going to cost us? Because once we figure that number out, as a passive income from the business, we can work backwards to understand what our revenue goals are. And that's exactly what we've done. So we, we've all determined that we want X from the business so what does Ys have to turn over or generate to give us that, that income as a passive income, not an exertion income, passive income out of the business? Yeah, love a good passive income. I haven't heard the word exertion income. I like that. The obviously the opposite. Um, I, I love a I love a quote. And it just it sort of goes back to something we were talking about earlier. But one of the quotes I read of yours, which is seeing owners reignite the flame that made them passionate about their own business, is a powerful, life changing experience. Uh, I can imagine that being the case and a very rewarding part of your job. Can you cite an example where you've worked with someone and at some point during the conversation conversation, just the light goes on, even across Zoom, you know, you can, you can feel it where it's like, Brenton, stop talking. I've got to go. I've found it. <laughs> I don't think I've had that like elixir moment yet, but, um, <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> but there's some pretty clear, impactful, powerful examples, even to the, if I were even to look back six months We've had a couple of firms join our hands-on coaching program and they've been really, really down, you know, to the point where they're, they're incredibly stressed. It's affecting their health to the extent where you're basically going, you need to stop what you're doing now, otherwise you're going to end up in hospital. So we've had that pretty strict conversation with a couple of these guys and just said, it doesn't matter how busy you are right now, you are taking three weeks off your business to just park yourself out because if you don't, it's gonna to lead to really bad places. And as hard as that's been to make that decision, they've come back after those couple of weeks, a lot fresher, a little bit more energy, ready to tackle the next step, but have come back to us. Even Jamie got a message from this person yesterday and just said, you've changed my life. Like within six months, you've changed my life with the change of thinking that I've had to go through and the way I look at the business now. 
A, that's courageous advice from you, the coach slash mentor, uh, knowing that, okay, they need to because they're unwell, but hey, what if the business implodes while they're away? So you roll the dice on that, I guess, and you make a calculated uh, decision to to give that advice. Does that person who you're suggesting take three weeks off, do they just take three weeks off or are they sent away to contemplate a question that you give them? We, we literally said sit on the bench. Sit on the bench. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming they probably, given their nature, couldn't help themselves and were were still dabbling in in bits and pieces. But certainly for the better part of those three weeks, they were on the bench doing absolutely nothing. We might have planted a seed or two to to think about what they want the business to look like. But it was really just a moment of, of, you know, relax and rejuvenate because otherwise it was leading to really bad places. Wow, boy, oh boy. It's uh, very common. You know, there'd be plenty listening right now who are in that same position. Uh, you know, I have a Facebook group of, of listeners called the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe. And, you know, inside that, you know, even some of the stories where it's like, boy, you know, you just need to stop. Sometimes you just, you just I've read some of the posts. It's like, I just want to pick the phone up and say, stop, enough. That's right. Don't ask any more questions. Don't give anyone else any more advice. Don't read another book. Don't listen to an, oh, you yeah, know, listen to another podcast episode. That's the only <laughs> thing I let them do. Um, but it's like, yeah, just take the foot off the pedal. And we've all been there. And it's hard when you are so wrapped up in your business and the ego says, without you, there is nothing, you know, and it's like, get o- get over yourself and look after yourself and those around you. Brenton, let's talk niching because um, I love the concept. Uh, I love the courage that it requires to niche mm-hmm. because the opposite is trying to be everything to everyone and you end up being nothing to no one. But it's very seductive to do that because, hey, it's a numbers game, isn't it? This business thing That's and the right. more we appeal to, uh, you know, I say half smiling and half kind of crying. <laughs> how important is getting clear on your niche and, and how do you actually do it? I think certainly for our type of business, you know, if we were to put ourselves in the professional services business, uh, accounting, but also in mentoring or financial planning, in anything in that, that professional services bucket, I think it's incredibly important to have a niche. Because once you've decided on that niche, so much flows off that decision. So much flows off that decision in terms of branding, um, intellectual property created, services and products created, your marketing budget, the investment that you spend, uh, the pools that you hang out in to find clients. It, it just concentrates so many things rather than diluting it by going, all right, we're going to be something to everyone, which works at the beginning. And I think to the greater extent, we all have to, it's the pulse test. You know, that's your niche at the beginning. If it's got a pulse, you're probably going to do business with it. <laughs> but once you get to a, and once you get to a point where cash flow is okay, I think then you've got to start asking those questions. For us, we were always going to focus on accountants and bookkeepers, even to be honest, even to niche and include bookkeepers was a stretch for us. And I really questioned that. Because as soon as you add the word bookkeeper in into the vocabulary, intellectual property changes, templates change, we have to have all these extra resources catering to the slight nuances of that bookkeeping business. So it's a massive decision if you decide to broaden that niche. Well, why did you choose bookkeepers? There's, there's enough accountants in this world. There is, but we had interestingly had quite a few bookkeepers knocking on their door saying that they couldn't find coaching for them. They couldn't find any resources that were applicable to them. And at the time, Jamie and Ed were building out quite large bookkeeping divisions within their businesses. So we were already developing the the content and the IP as a result of that, which we could then flow on to, to the customer base. So it kind of made sense to broaden the niche to that. But that was the extent of it. And we're even at a stage now, Tim, where we're niching within that niche. So, you know, if you look at the accounting profession, we've got members in 20 countries now. But if you look at the developed world, between accountants and bookkeepers, there's at least over a million SMEs in this profession. So that's going to keep us pretty busy for the rest of our lifetimes without having to dilute our niche. But now it's niching within that niche to, well, who's our ideal client within the accounting profession? 
and we're at a stage where we're pretty clear on that. We've got a bit of a way to go, but we're getting a lot more specific and targeted with that. Do you think the concept of niching, Brenton, applies equally to service-based businesses as it does product-based businesses? I think so. I still think the more refined and the more targeted you can, you can get on your ideal client. I also think niche works in two ways. It works in a vertical and a horizontal way. Vertical being a specific industry or type of client that, that you deal with, occupation, um, you know, demographic, geographic, or it could be service-based. So it could be based on your expertise. So whether that's you're a tax expert or you're a compliance expert or you're a business advisor expert or you're a bookkeeping expert, it could be service-based. But I think the more okay. refined and the more specific you can get on that, it's so powerful. It's so powerful once you implement it. So what I'm hearing on that is niching is important. It's almost like it's a non-negotiable in running a business, but in the early days, appeal to anyone as long as they've got a pulse, help them. And, and do and, and do business with them. But as cash flow becomes more certain and as you become clearer on where you add the most value and who, who you add the most value to, start to niche down. So I then look at someone like, let's say a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as I've, and I've seen a few chiropractors in my day, as far as I can tell, they tend to have just the doors, the shingles out and anyone who walks by with a spine, they're happy to adjust. <laughs> Should the, a chiropractor maybe put his or her shingle out saying, "I work with I only work with tradies, or I only work with females," or is this something they should be doing? Or I think by default they're a niche within the you know they're a niche within the the medical profession. So you've kind of already niched to a certain extent because oh, if yeah. someone's looking for a chiropractor, they're not searching generally in the medical profession they're searching pretty specifically for a chiropractor. So in terms of your marketing budget and your, the collateral that you create, or your, your marketing initiatives, I think you can already be pretty specific. But I'm sure, I'm sure if we looked hard enough, you would find it, there's, a, there's a great actually sort of jump to the next silo in dentistry. I'm not sure if you've heard of the guy called Paddy Lund. Mate, he's been a guest on this show. Has he? Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, he's a perfect example of niching in that type of business. Incredible story. And I, I mean, highly suggest... Unreal. You know, critical non-essentials <laughs> within a business, niching for the type of client that he wanted to work with. I think that's the perfect example. If you're going to go niche in that sort of business, that's the way to go. Well, we won't go too far down the story of Paddy Lund, but you have raised it and there'll be people going, well, who's Paddy Lund and why is it such an amazing (laughs) story? I'll put a link in the show notes to this episode, which you can find over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 534. But suffice to say, Paddy Lund, it's it's sort of a sad story with a very happy ending. I mean, uh, Paddy was suicidal and he talks about that. He got terribly, terribly, terribly down on himself and the business. Uh, at his lowest point, he asked one question, which is, what will ma- what would make me happy? Anyone who's feeling like that, please call Lifeline and, and chat to someone or, or ring a friend right now. Turn this, turn the show off and come back to it. And basically, he came back and he, he, he sacked 75% of his clients. Uh, and for the 25% that were left, he gave them two business cards. And he said, if you know anyone like you, please give them this card and I'll be happy to be their dentist. He, he had a private number. He took, off, he took off any signage. He was cooking cinnamon buns in his dental practice to hide the smell of Novocaine. <laughs> I mean, it's an incredible story. And when I interviewed Paddy, he was living in Thailand practicing jujitsu. You know, he'd finished. He was done. He was happy. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is a great story and a great example of a niche. Just to finish the niching discussion, because I do want to talk systems and lead gen, Brenton. Uh, sure. Is, is there a process? Is there a three-step, two-step process to anyone listening, sitting down and deciding on a niche that would be profitable for them? Yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head with one of the criteria, which is profitability. But I think if there were three three questions to, to ask yourself, the first would be deciding on a niche is a big deal because you, you're almost going all in. And I think there's a slight caveat there just to mention it with niching. Just because you choose a niche doesn't mean you can't take other 
people outside that niche into your business. Oh. You know, even with WISE, we have, we have town planners join us. We, we tell them from the outset that everything we do has accountant you know, all over it, but it's still applicable to you. We have marketing agencies, different businesses join us. But when it comes to marketing and all that intellectual property, it's very much niched. So we say, well, the first one is, who do you like dealing with? Who do you like working with? So have a look at your client base and pick out your, your top five or 10 clients and go, well, is there any niche within that top five to 10? The second is, is there enough of them? You know, if you're going to, to niche in something really, really, really specific, that you're, you're whittling down the size of that market, it might be quite hard to, to find and attract and convert uh, a lot of those if you need a lot of those. And the third is, do they have money to pay for your services? So can you create uh, revenue and profit out of that niche to the extent that it fulfills the business that you want to build and the income that you want to get out of that business? I love it. I love a good three steps. Brenton, let's move on, buddy. Uh, <laughs> systematizing, well, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, it keeps coming up in so many conversations I have with successful business owners. It can't be ignored. I have interviewed yeah. the, the godfather of systems on this podcast, Michael Gerber, who wrote The E-Myth. What's your take on systems? And, and quite simply, how does a business owner properly embrace systems from scratch? Absolutely. And I think there's one easy thing to say. If you want your business to run without you, you must, you must invest in creating turnkey systems within your business. Because without it, How? it, it will always be reliant on you. We bow our heads and hands to the Godfather as well. He changed the life of Ed Chan. It's one of the books that changed his life. The how in creating systems is look at everything you do in your business. So if you were to first look at divisions, so we talk about seven divisions divisions in the business, look at everything you do within one of those, in each of those divisions and start documenting it. And don't be fancy about it. Don't wait for the technology and getting good at capturing it. Just capture the, the processes, capture the step-by-steps, either by video, by writing it out, by Word doc, whatever it is to get that process either out of your head or into some sort of templated version that another person can follow and you can delegate that task off you as the owner into, into the, the bank of systems. Our massive mantra in WISE is build a business run on extraordinary systems rather than being reliant on extraordinary people. Nice quote. So the more you invest in your systems, the more it allows you to scale without having to find you know, really good talent to run those systems. Say that quote again. I do love a good quote. Build a business built on extraordinary systems <laughs> as opposed to a business built on... Extraordinary people. Oh, you're good. Yeah. Extraordinary people are really hard to find. You have to pay a lot of money for them and you're walking on eggshells most of the time when they're in your business because you don't want them to leave. So they have the upper hand in a lot, of, a lot of cases. Certainly in our world, a really extraordinary person can walk out the door with you know, a bank of clients or whatever it may be. So build the extraordinary systems so then you're not reliant on having to find those extraordinary people to fill the seats in your business. I think you were channeling uh, Ed slash Mr. Miyagi Chan when you came up. I felt it. <laughs> yeah, I did too, mate. It was like... I felt I was floating <laughs> above myself, watching myself yeah, say it. I, I caught a fly with some chopsticks as you were saying it. So, like, this is all coming together. Um, He'll be so proud. <laughs> lead generation and conversion marketing, Brenton. What's your view on marketing, just generally speaking? I'm an absolute nerd for it. I spend a good half of my day thinking about it, the other half of my day implementing and doing ideas. Like even uh, because it's in the middle of the morning here at the moment, I was laying in bed having a bit of a snooze earlier and then I couldn't because I was thinking about new marketing ideas I wanted to implement for why. So I just love, I love marketing. I think it's just one of the most fascinating areas of the business, but also one of the most crucial. If you can get the marketing piece right, which again, most small businesses don't focus enough attention on it, it can make your business so much better because you've just got this incredible machine working in your favor, pushing ideal new clients into, into your business without you having to do much to, to make that happen. What's your definition of marketing? Oh, that's tough. Um, 
It's, it's, an, it's a bit of an unfair question because we don't exactly go around going, well, <laughs> I, my view, my definition of marketing is this. I mean, I, 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 while I, and it was a question without notice, like every other question I've asked you, but you know, for me, I'll give you some thinking time. For me, I love the idea that marketing is what you do when you can't go and see someone. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it puts a real personalised kind of – uh, filter over it because if you could go and see someone, you'd, you'd sit down, you'd have a very personal conversation, you'd look them in the eye, you'd ask them what problems they have that you could potentially solve, you know, ask them what does success look like for them and then go and build a wonderful marketing campaign that was completely personalised towards them. We can't do that, but in the marketing that we do do, we it should be personalised. What Again, what's your take on it? Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to say it better than you, but I would say marketing is the connection between your business and your ideal client. If you've done it right, it's the connection that speaks to your ideal client and says, we need to meet, we need to talk because someone will read or watch or listen or feel or touch your marketing and go, these guys get me, they're talking to me. And it opens up the conversation to, to find out more. I mean, for me, an example of my definition of marketing and me implementing that is this is this podcast, you know, and I bang on to my listeners about, you know, you should be getting a podcast or at least you should be creating content mm-hmm. that makes the lives of your prospects and customers better and helps them make a more informed purchase decision. You know, for very early days from starting my podcast, I was getting warm inquiry into my business. I was getting emails that would start with, hey, Timbo, you don't mind if I call you Timbo, do you? Or, hey, Timbo, <laughs> I feel as though I know you. And, and, and it's very powerful, and particularly content marketing. Absolutely. And I think what you've said there, when, when someone emails you and says, I've been following you for some time now, uh, it feels like I know you and it feels like I know your business, you've done an, an except, exceptional job at marketing your business. Brenton, you talk, and I love this quote, you talk about building a butterfly garden as opposed to running around with a net trying to catch them. How does that relate to marketing? Yeah, so that, that one's straight out of the, the wise book of Ed Chan. <laughs> um, and this, this, you look at this with a couple of different lenses on it. So again, back to um, if we were look at an accounting business, most accounting business owners think to, to expand their fee base once they've capped out their capacity and their, their ability to, to bring on fees and, and service those fees, the next step to grow that fee base is to go out and find an extraordinary person in the, in the you know, form of a new partner. Um, and we say that you know, that partner has normally got a, a, a butterfly catching net and they have to run around and catch the butterflies and bring them into the business. Whereas our belief is, well, why wouldn't you invest in marketing, invest in resources to build this beautiful garden that attracts butterflies to it constantly? And you're just nurturing that garden, feeding that garden with content and resources and different things so that when, when those people are ready to do business with you, they're already in your garden. They're already there. You don't have to run around with the net trying to catch them. Oh, mate, I love that. I love that. <laughs> May I use that in future episodes? Absolutely. It's yours to share. <laughs> oh, thank you, Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> Ed. Uh, the, other, the other quote I love of yours is focus on who, not how, to grow your business. What do you mean by that? And give us an example. Ed actually said this to me the, uh, probably a good few months ago, but it came at the same time that I uh, had started. I joined a coaching program myself because I believe we kind of have to practice what we preach. It's a marketing coaching program. This guy running this program was talking about one of his mentors, Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan is the owner-founder of a, a massive coaching business in the States called Strategic Coach. He has a podcast with a guy called Dean Jackson, who's another marketing guru on email marketing and direct marketing. And they talk about this concept of who, not how. Now, it's, it's literally what it says on the tin in the sense that we in business need to transition from what being the technician to how delivering the work to who being who can do everything for us. So in every aspect of your life or your business, it's who can do it for me. I don't want to learn how to do it. I want to understand and be introduced to someone who can do it for me. And we're huge on that now. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, I always say with a caveat on that, cash flow allowing, because I had a, a question I had a question from a listener uh, a few episodes ago who was asking, young bloke starting an online wine delivery business, the question was around, should I be learning SEO, graphic design, copywriting, you know, because, you know, getting all these specialists in, you know, they might rip me off and they're going to be bloody expensive. And um, yeah, the idea of, yeah, well, cash flow allowing, uh, yes, you should. Um, you obviously got to choose the right ones, but you need to focus on what you're good at. Absolutely. But, you know, in our world, Tim, in, in marketing, case in point, um, cash flow permitting, but not discounting the opportunity cost of lost time. So, you know, a lot of business owners are going, oh, I'll jump onto Wix.com and I'll build my own website. And, you know, they go down that rabbit hole losing days and days, or they might even go the WordPress route and lose even more time when they could have found someone on Upwork or some, some platform or someone locally to build a website for, you know, these days, 500, 1,000, 1,500 bucks to, to get you going. Yeah, good, good point. Uh, cash flow allowing and time, yeah, is the other currency, isn't it? Hey, Brenton, I could keep talking to you, buddy. It's, it's awesome, but it is, it is getting close to 2 a.m. in the morning in Dublin, and I really appreciate you staying up and, and sharing some, some beautiful insights into, you know, why business owners are ace and how they can grow going forward. Wise mentoring with a Z.com is where people can find you. And uh, I think if you're looking for a mentor, you could do a lot worse than Brenton. Is it Jamie? Or if you can afford him, because I'm sure he's, you know, he's the most expensive <laughs> of them all, uh, Ed. That's right. <laughs> well, we're a package deal. So if, uh, oh, if you're good. ever interested, you get one, you get us all. <laughs> awesome, buddy. Thanks so much, Brenton. Thanks so much for having me. I'm a massive fan of the show and I really appreciate it. Well, there you go, team. Wise Mentoring's Brenton Ward, all the way from Dublin, Ireland. What a top fellow. And a big thank you to past guest Joanna Oakey for bringing Brenton to our attention. Well worth it. I love it when past guests refer other people to interview because they have a sense of what the show's all about and know who or who won't work. So it's really good. Thanks, Joe. Hey, I'd encourage you to give Brenton's mentoring program a crack for a month over at wisementoringwithaz.com forward slash Tim. It's 250 bucks a month, but he's given all small business big marketing listeners a free 30-day trial, which you're not going to find anywhere else. Now, here's my top three attention grabbers from that chat with Brenton. Attention grabber number one. I love his philosophy that any venture you start needs to wrap around your life and not vice versa. I see a lot of business owners, and I've been guilty of this, where the business kind of runs you. I want you to run your business. Yeah, one that you love and that brings you joy. Attention grabber number two. I love the idea that if you are going to find a coach, then that person should have built a business that you are aspiring to build. Now, I could argue differently on that where, you know, find a coach who hasn't done what you do because they'll bring a whole lot of new fresh thinking, but I actually think it makes sense to find a coach that's actually done what you want to do and and you can then pick their brain for a fee, of course. And attention grabber number three, I love Brenton's thinking around identifying a niche. What did he say? Something like, start by being for everyone with a pulse and then niche down as it becomes clearer who you best serve. And this plays into what Seth Godin said a few months ago on this podcast as well. You know, get your eye in, figure who you service the best and really focus in on them as a niche. It'll change the marketing language that you use. It'll change where you put your marketing messages and you will become a big fish in a small pond, which is a good thing. That's what caught my attention. I would love to know what grabbed yours. Call me. Call, well, at least call the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline anytime, day or night, 0480 015150 and let me know. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. It's time to reward another motivated listener for taking some serious marketing action. And today's winner is Whole Foods owner Nick. And I can't find his surname anywhere. And believe me, I've tried. It's not in his email signature. It's not on his website at blissandco.com.au. I don't know. But his name's Nick. 
and he's a winner because this is what he wrote. He said, hey, Timbo, I discovered your podcast a couple of months ago. Now I find myself listening almost daily as I'm driving around. To my absolute shame, though, you introduced me to your podcast three years ago in person. <laughs> I remember that. Our little family Whole Foods store opened in September 2017. I had gone part-time after a very successful academic career to open something close to home that could involve our home-educated kids so they could learn about business, not just read about it. I love that thinking, Nick. I wish more sort of business subjects were taught in schools alongside meditation and breathing and life skills, you know, put aside the chemistry and the biology. Anyway, that's a separate rant. Nick goes on to say, I was disillusioned with the form of success offered by large safe organisations, he uses inverted commas, and degreed careers. I knew very little about what I was doing, love that, but it felt I had to take the leap and work it out along the way. It's been fantastic and at times a very stressful ride. Well, welcome to small business, but sounds like you're enjoying it, Nick. You visited our store a couple of months after we opened and we obviously had a great conversation following which you sent me a link to an episode that would be of interest to me. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't listen to it. He puts a few exclamation marks around that. So you should be very embarrassed, Nick. I thought there were other more important things to do. And, mate, there probably was. You don't need some podcaster coming into your shop and say, listen to my show, it's really good. He goes on to say, I had marketing G-O-L-D dripping in my store and I didn't know it. I would have treated you to a meal, a drink, anything for a chat. Oh, jeez. Should have asked. It's a pretty nice store too. The food looked really yummy. He goes on to say, timing is everything. Information at the wrong time seems often irrelevant. True. Our business has grown year on year with a couple of big spikes during COVID, but the time has come to take a big step and ramp up the business. And that's how I rediscovered your, your podcast. Listening to dozens of episodes and following up with a few books has provided the impetus to transition to working on the business, no longer in it. Well, that's music to my ears, Nick. We're bursting with so many ideas that we need some time and space to get stuck in. Thanks for your show. We now have the conviction to go the next step. Keep up the great work. Nick, don't know his surname. He signs off Nick, Nat and Danny. Must be the whole family. That's nice. They're in Ocean Grove and it's called blissandco.com.au. Nick, you've won a full range of lies, non-alcoholic spirits, vouchers to use at Sendall and Tradies, promotion on this show, backlink in the show notes. Everyone else... Email me, tim at timreed.com.au. Tell me one idea you've implemented from listening to this show, what impact it's had on your business. If I read it out on air, you win. Hey, guys, that pretty much brings us to the end, not of this episode, but of this year. You need a break. I need a break. And as a result, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. So have a wonderful Christmas. I will see you in the new year. Um... If there isn't a new show popping up, don't worry. I'm still here. I haven't been hacked. (laughs) That's a 2020 thing. Uh, I'll be back early in January. In fact, next episode, we catch up with two cubicle escapees who broke free from their cubicles inside of Google and who just may have cracked the code when it comes to science-based customised weight loss programs. Yeah, they're like they've created an algorithm that helps you lose weight. I reckon they're onto something there. If you would like to keep the conversation going, be sure to join the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe on Facebook. We've got over 750 members sharing ideas, pushing each other to be better every day. Every day, in every way, we get better and better over at the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe on Facebook. Got something to tell me? Tell it how it is. Call the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline, 0480-015-150. If you're loving the Small Business Big Marketing podcast, and you must if you've got this far, because it's been a long episode, then you'll find 532 more episodes on the Podcast One Australia app. As has been the case for the past 11 years, the podcast is presented by me, Timbo Reed, and stitched together piece by excruciating piece by a masculine bunch of seamstresses over at Podcast One Australia. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.